0: listen uh can is Ozymandias, King of Kings. Look upon my works, ye mighty in despair. Nothing besides remains. Round the decay of that colossal wreck, boundless and bare, the lone and level stands stretch far away. Hi, my name's Alex, and I just read to you a poem by Percy Shelley. His middle name is Bish, and I don't know what that means, but it's called Ozymandias, and I wanted to tell you guys about it for a number of reasons. One... Um, because I was looking at it, and I wanted to do a quick episode today, and this might be a little bit of a best-of, old-school-style Alex cast, wherein I will play you one of the episodes that does not exist on the RSS feed anymore. So, yes, you have that to look forward to. And the other reason I read that is because I don't know I was just bored, and I was looking at it, and I was trying to figure out how to say his name. Now, although I really fucked up the um what do you say, the the poetic sounds of it. The hell do you call that? Porosity? No. Um like the scheme of it, the the, the beat of the poem. Uh because I guess you're supposed to have let's see, it should be land, sand, command Red fed a pure despair decay away, but the meter of it or whatever, Ozymandias, shouldn't be pronounced like that, even though that's the only way I know how to say his name. It should be four syllables, and I have it as Ozymandias, which five syllables, so that's a little bit confusing to me. Anyway, uh, so that's that. I also wanted to, uh, just as a, again, old school episode I don't know if you guys even remember this, there's not a lot of people around from those days, but in the old episodes, I used to do tarot card readings, and I would read from what was at the time the only book I had out called The Void Sutras, which is available on Amazon. You can also find Periphery, the full-length novel I just released, available on Amazon, so that's fun. Uh, yes. So I thought that I was going to come to you today since I skipped this week. I didn't mean to. I just, um, I have a kind of a shitty neck thing happening wherein it's, uh, very hard to put myself in a position to sit upright and talk into a microphone. And today I feel well enough to do that. So welcome and be returned, mighty Ozymandias, king of kings. Look upon my works, ye mighty in despair. And then, uh, there's just sand. Much like this podcast. I am mighty Ozymandias. Of a podcast in a basement. Look in the echo chamber in despair. Ye mighty! That's my uh, strong king voice. If you can't tell, it sounds like a six year old and pretend in a sandbox next to two legs, trunkless. So, yeah, that is that. So, I was going to come on tonight and tell you that you should go to Amazon, pick up a periphery, that'd be good. I'm going to play an episode. Uh, I might even play you a couple of songs for the hell of it. There might even be two episodes, because the old days, the old show was half an hour. I don't know. So maybe I'll do two, maybe I'll do one. But anyway, I'm here uh, to do that. So this is a short story I wrote a while ago. Uh, I have no idea how long this is going to take to read, so if it goes too long, I'll just cut it. But I wanted to read it to you. This is from the Void Sutras. Um by Alex Mullen, Alex2Xs. You can find all the books I've written, all two of them, at alexcast.com books. But anyway, uh, I had this line in my head uh, the last few days, uh, Pieces of Eight, which is an old uh, Spanish monetary system when they uh, when Spain took over South America uh, in the you know the Olmecs or wherever the hell were down there at the time uh, the Maya uh, they found a bunch of silver mines or whatever so uh, Spain kind of flooded the world market with their currency called Pieces of Eight and these Pieces of Eight uh, yeah they were uh, kind of famous and became almost uh, piracy for a while and then it uh, collapsed a bunch of world uh, economies it collapsed a bunch of world economies yes because we live in a in an area wherein we can go to multiple worlds and and collapse their economies and breathe their air because that's the way it works i mean multiple countries i think china actually uh, had this kind of horrible devaluation happening cuz even back then they had a paper currency and i think their paper currency just got demolished uh, so welcome to the alex cast uh where i tell you half remember things about the economic systems of ancient asia south america and europe <laughs> but the main thing is i wanted to read you a little bit of uh this i want to read you short story because i referenced pieces of date in it it was stuck in my head and i want to put an episode out i don't particularly want to talk to myself for an hour so this is that uh if you don't like the show f- uh for when i read stuff well this isn't your episode fast forward a bit i'll play an early episode and you can hear what the show used to sound like and uh yeah that'll be good so <clears throat> Without any further idea, this is a thing I wrote a while ago. This is called Objects of Debatable Existence. I work to sell the broken and forgotten things. The store exists to sell and to have seen the broken and forgotten things. I've worked here for longer than my memory allows. I'm the curator of the small, fog, sea glass, small slivers of tin, an assortment of pebbles and pop-tops, all collectible in this land of fractured concepts the curator, the follower, and the engineer of shelves. We all live as if by some purpose. We all create this place to be the variable which holds the value of the things which have shifted tense. We sometimes use math in place of emotion. We exist on a street, unnavigatable, the windows brown, the windows non-existent through the pallor of stains. The collectors come in and say things like, Hello, I have this round thing. In its center, a small fracture which produces a visual effect. "'especially pleasant when held to a green light. "'They would very much like to put it next to my collection "'of red beech glass and sanded tin. "'Sometimes they say things, like, "'Oh, look, I lost this twenty years ago "'when my husband was still alive. "'And sometimes I smile and push upon the round buttons, "'rhythmically, mathematically, "'into the drawer of gleaming objects open. "'We exchange these variables, "'representing themselves for insignias, for slugs, "'for bullets, for pieces of aid "'all placeholders, all things made greater by this ritual.'" Sometimes they say things from before, yet now. Oh, look, there is the teddy I had when I was smaller and still myself, or this sat on the shelf as his body withered. Next door to us is the house of newly formed isotopes. It is our sister. As the bringer of new things and the writer of lists, the house was welcome, as useful, and talked about throughout the town below as something truly necessary. This is the forever growing nature of our work, the nascent and the forgotten, the trader and the merchant, balanced as if by some forethought or planning. Long ago, there was a definition for the broken things. The land surrounding us still held the idea of what was to come. No one remembers now, but we press forward, knowing that it is important. I am the purchaser, the onlooker, the librarian of forgotten and missing things. When I close the doors and twist the key, I look upon the facade, and it seems like it no longer draws breath. A layer of implied dust sits. I tip my cap forward and walk up the steps on the side of the building, which lead to my room. My room is a small affair with little decoration. I save most decoration for the shop below. I have a stove, a refrigerator, a table, and a flickering television which seems a shade too green. I come up here after my job is through, which could be noon, which could be nine post-meridian. I keep no set hours in the store below, or in my room above. I have no clock, no phone, no sense of the world beyond these small limits. Once there was a cat here, but it has long since left me, and now sits ceramic upon the small shelf of curios above my remaining books. I get tired. I eat. I pace, I watch, I sleep when it is time for sleep, I awake when it is time for work. The morning as a rejoinder, morning as the time when I move from my small room to the shop below. After a fitful shower and some small toast, I make my descent into the day. It was in the morning that she arrived, a seeker of something which has yet to be forgotten. This happens every now and again, the future being what it is. She looks for something which will be searched for, to see what was lost. During these delicate times, I become the creator of lost things, architect of new memories. She says things like, Can you help me? Or, Oh, these are nice, but they don't feel right. I smile and say things like, No, no, you don't want those. You need something new, something brought in from next door. Please, please look behind the counter with me. And she would do something, and I would follow, and the world would move until she found a small thing among the new, unfiltered rubble. She would exchange with me some charm, or shiny bit of something, and I would tell her, That it is time to close and then there is the place of undiscovered isotopes the rooms of glowing vials and spider-like burners this is where we trade for the things which have yet to be made to be invented later this is the store of proposition bets and sad eyes of the people left behind without placeholder or variable this place is avoided by most and feared by the passerby is awake enough to notice its existence we have a fair commerce with this place as we do with most places of our making the camera of the town holds no picture of these places The camera of the town deals in the movements of the people below, ignoring the motions of the old and the newly created. She would live with me in the room above the store until such time that she no longer does. She would say something like, your forgotten things mean more to you than the thing you possess, and I would tell her that I do not possess, only curate, only transfer those small things in need of remembrance, and she would leave her small trinket upon the chair, and I would hold it to my chest and breathe in the broken isotopes, and sometimes weep before returning to the store. I purchased a trinket and placed it next to my cat upon a shelf in a room above a store full of broken and forgotten things. So that, my friends, was a little bit of a short story. And the reason I chose that was for the stuff I said before. But also, as I read it, I'm reminded that that is the first thing that took place in what later became the town that the periphery is set in. Uh, the If you read the periphery already, you've noticed that kind of the objects as placeholders and things that yet to have value but still exist uh, is all. Thematically, what happens in the periphery that uh, a lot of it is kind of walking metaphors and, and quantum states mixed together with random bits of sea glass and pieces of eight. So yes, that is a little thing available uh, if you want to read it. Indeed. So um, yes, let us uh, continue on. I am going to right now play for you an old episode of the Alex Cast. I'm not sure what episode I'm going to play, but yeah, just hold on a sec and you will uh, be lavished in the sounds of old school Alex. So this is going to be of the first, I don't know, 20 or so episodes. They're not available on the RSS feed. So um, I suppose if you really want them, you can just email me. I'll find some way to give them to you. I don't care. So yeah, this is uh, Alex cast early episodes and yeah, I hope you enjoy. I will be back after the episode to tell you some more stuff, Uh, maybe do a weirdo tower reading or something fun like that. And then uh, yeah, yeah, that is that so yes i will be back momentarily enjoy ye mighty in despair that oh, was so what that was uh like my kenneth bryan okay <laughs> I say she loved me so, it didn't matter anymore, I say she never cared and that she never will, I'll do it all again, I guess I'll have to wait until then, and if I get your well I'll pass out on the floor now baby, if you won't find. I know that you're my friend and I'll say I think i have myself a fear. She called me late last night To say she loved me so But I guess she changed her mind Can't live without her. Like heaven. Hey guys, welcome to the sports edition. And it's not gonna be all about sports, I just, I'm watching the um, NBA finals between the Miami Flaming Balls and the Mavericks. Dallas? <clears throat> uh, I really want the Heat to win uh, for this reason. Not, I have no desire to see Miami win it, championship, it doesn't matter to me. I never lived in Miami. I don't really know many of the players' names on the team, uh, other than Bosh, Wade, and James. Those are the three that are the reason I'm rooting for the team. So I like how LeBron James kind of, in a almost Machiavellian manner, put together this super group. This traveling willberries of basketballers. He left Cleveland with just Two fingers up over his head, Stone Cold Steve Austin style, in his big press announcement. Just a fuck you, fuck stick. I'm gonna try to win a championship. They get together three amazing players, and they're playing for the championship. Like it's not supposed to work like that. I mean, I love it when a when a villain wins. It doesn't happen often enough. And this is really a villainous fucking move. LeBron James is a villain. Uh, I really want them to win. I won't care next year or the year after that. If they lose next year, I'm not rooting for them. I just love being able to put together a championship. It's, it's wonderful. Well, on that note, I am drinking a uh, Ham's beer. It's America's... Let's see. That's kind of hard to read. America's classic premium beer, born in the land of the blue water. It is brewed in true family tradition from purest water and choicest barley malt, grain, and hops. It's a shitty beer, but I was drunk and bought a 12-pack on the way home. So I've been occasionally grabbing myself a nice cold 12-ounce can of Ham's beer. Deliciousness. So again, I come to you with open arms and open mind Uh, I guess I I wanted to talk to you about that MEA thing I also am going to have an edition coming up wherein I described to my listening audience you, my devotees the time I took too many mushrooms and almost died, or did die depending on which way you view it in a psychedelic ego death sense I suppose I did die in a heartbeat brain function, turning cold, rigor mortis sense, no, I did not in fact die, but I'm not going to do that tonight, but I'm giving you that as a warning, and I'll put the episode up as, you know, episode 13, the Alex Dyson mushroom edition, so if you don't want to have recalled to you a strange and harrowing tale of psychedelia and really bad sweats, uh, you don't have to listen to it. But in this case, we are not going to be describing to you any kind of acid based experience. We will, however, describe to you cheap domestic beer, strange basketball theories, and, uh... Oh, well, hockey, too. Uh, Vancouver Canucks came out screaming against the Boston Burlands. Uh Dominated the first two games. Well, uh, maybe not dominated, but they won the first two games. Then game three, they got sp- Banked. like 8-1. to one. Game 4 they lose. 3-1 uh, or something like that. But either way, I mean, uh, just a, a trouncing followed by a close game. But 2-2. Two to two, Same as uh, this basketball thing here. Uh, I think this is good for both sports. Hockey especially, because no one actually watches hockey. Uh, I'm getting distracted. I'm going to turn the other way away from the TV for a little bit of talk to you guys. So, uh, again, I come to you with nothing actually planned to talk about, which is unfortunate, because I don't know why I start podcasts this way. I said I was going to start writing notes, and I didn't. I started to read the Mahabharata again, uh, as it's something that we bring up on the show pretty often. Uh, not the Mahabharata, I'm kidding, Bag Bag uh, Bhagavad Gita. Uh, I started to read again, because after that, I'm going to use the term discussion loosely. I realize I should probably get it in touch with that. In fact, I printed out a whole bunch of occult books while I was at work. Uh, I'm going to be over here. I wonder what this sounds like. I'm using the the new microphone recording device, and I'm moving around a lot, so yeah, if it sounds like shit, it sounds like shit. I'm still playing around with it. That last episode didn't sound all that good because I held it up too close to my face. Anyway... I'll tell you the books I printed out: A Witch Alone by Marion Green, A Practical Handbook, and this is Thirteen Moods, Moons to Master Natural Magic, and it tells you how to practice magic. You know that? That's a book. So uh, I've talked about learning how to do magic again, and then I printed out uh, the Book of the Dam by Charles Fort. Have we talked about Charles Fort? I know I've said I'm a 14. Uh, devotee of the obscure and the unknown. Uh, well, Charles Fort is the guy that started it all. Yeah, I have talked about this briefly, but I'll talk about it. I had nauseam now because I have nothing else to do and the book is in my hand. So Charles Fort is the first man to start cataloging obscure phenomenon. rains of frogs, vortexes, vortices. I mean. Vortexes, v- vortices. Whatever the plural is. Oh, on that note. The plural of octopus I read on the internet the other day. And I've actually thought this was weird because octopus is a Greek root. Everybody said it was octopi. But pi, I, I, for the plural is is from Roman, a Latinate root. Which I always thought it was weird to do it that way. So anyway, I read on the internet that uh, it actually is octopodes. Uh, is the plural of octopus. So that makes me happy. So anyway, back to what I was saying. Charles Fort, the uh, Book of the Damned, is a sequence of recitations of strange phenomena, Almost uh, the X-Files before the X-Files. That was inept. And uh, here, I'll read you the beginning of it. <clears throat> this is going to be interesting. I haven't read anybody else's stuff, so... I apologize beforehand to Mr. Charles Fort, but there's a good explanation of it. And I really like uh, Charles Fort. I, you guys should read it, so... Chapter 1. A procession of the damned. By the damned, I mean the exiled. We shall have a procession of data that science has excluded. Battalions of, the exci- Battalions of the accursed, captained and pallid data that I have exhumed, will march. You'll read them, or they'll march. Some of them livid, and some of them fiery, and some of them rotten. Some of them are corpses, skeletons, mummies, twitching, tottering, animated by companions that have been damned alive. There are giants that will walk by through sound sleep. There are things that are theorems and things that are rags. They'll go by like Euclid, arm in arm with the spirit of anarchy. Here and there, there will flit little harlots. Many are clowns, but many are of the highest respectability. Some are assassins. "...their pale stenches and gaunt superstitions, and mere shadow and lively malices, whims and amiabilities, the naive and the pedantic and the bizarre and the grotesque and the sincere and the insincere, the profound and the puerile, puerile. a stab and a laugh and the patiently folded hands of hopeless prosperity." And I'm going to read that again, because it's a stab and a laugh and the patiently folded hands of hopeless propriety. The ultra-respectable, but the condemned anyway. The aggregate appearance is of dignity and dissoluteness. The aggregate voice is a defiant prayer, but the spirit of the whole is professional. The power that is said to all these things that they are damned is dogmatic science, but they'll march. The little harlots will caper, and freaks will distract attention, and the clowns will break the rhythm of the whole with their buffooneries. But the sol- Ugh, Fuck me. But the solidarity of the procession as a whole the impressiveness of things that pass and pass and pass and keep on and keep on and keep on coming the irresistibleness of things that neither threaten nor jeer nor defy but arrange themselves in mass formations that pass and pass and keep on passing so by the damned I mean the excluded but by the excluded I mean that which will someday be the excluding or everything that is won't be and everything that isn't, will be. But of course, that which won't be. Oh, that was hard. But of course, will be that which won't be. Eh, yeah, that's fucking pointless to say that out loud. You gotta read that six times. Is our expression that the flux between that which isn't and that which won't be, or the state that is commonly an absurdly called existence, is a rhythm of heavens and hells. That the damned won't stay damned. That salvation only precedes perdition. The inference is that someday our accursed tatterdemalions will sleek angels will be sleek angels. Then the sub-inference in that some later day, back they'll go once they came. I'm sure Charles Ford, I murdered you, but you're really fucking hard to read and something makes no sense. What the fuck is that word? The inference is that someday accursed tatterdemalions, tatterdemalions, dermalions, tatterdemalions, dermalions, they're mailing Wow. Well, let's look it up, shall we? Hey guys, look! Literature on the radio. And by radio I mean podcast. So we're gonna type in on the internet, we're gonna type in T-A-T-T-R can we spell the rest of that. Demelions. I've never heard that word. I'm sorry if you have and you're fucking a million times smarter than me. And you probably are, you guys seem like a smart bunch. I mean, other than your choice in podcast listening. A ta- uh, tattered Eon. dude. I think I said that right, and that's the first time I've ever seen that. It's a person wearing ragged or tattered clothing. A ragamuffin, ragged, tattered. Mmm, delicious. I love ragamuffins. <laughs> I don't know if I ever told you guys this, but I have a working theory that Doctor Smith from Lost in Space, I mean the original Lost in Space, the cheesy ass one. Well, the one with Matt LeBlanc was probably pretty cheesy too. Uh, that he's actually uh, the first instance of a goth, uh, and I don't mean like a fist goth, I mean goths that like hang out at the mall, you know, the, the, the fat kids, uh, because he wore velvet all the time, constantly lamented his place in life, you know, like, do the pain, the pain of it all, wearing velvet and strange clothes and hanging around people younger than him, so he seemed smart. Sounds like a goth to me. But anyway, back to, uh, Charles Fourth. Book of the Damned. I you know I tell you the truth, I think I'm pretty much done with this. Uh it's it's a fun book and I recommend Charles 4 to anybody. Let's let's see what else I decided to start reading. So we got Witches. Is, this is the Fundamentals of Meditation Practice by Tian Chen. Uh translation by Dharma Master Lok Tu. Oh no, Tian Chen translated by yeah, you know, whatever. Uh what is this? I don't even know what this is. Uh f- Oh, it's just some stupid Buddhist thing about how to meditate. I don't know. Let's see. And then I also got The Art of True Healing. Now this is, uh, this has got to be in-depth because it's 18 pages. It's by Israel Regardi. And, um, uh, this is about psychic healing, I guess. I understand my friend that, but I can't yeah. imagine doing it. I also got, um, Easy Steps to Yoga by, I don't know how to say that, SRI. You know, that's like a, it's like a, uh, like a mister or a sir or a Fra Filippo Lippi kind of thing. So, Sri Swami Sivananda, uh, and this is how to, uh, how to do yoga. Yay. And then, uh, at the end of it, I also got, uh, as referenced on the podcast before, uh, Alistair Crowley, book four, part one. And this is meditation, the way of attainment of genius or godhead considered as the development of the human brain. And this is uh, Crowley's uh, meditative technique. Good for Crowley. The i do not. I have to drink my drink. That's delicious, goddamn drink. So it's Crowley's view of, of meditation. I don't know. I'll put it, uh, li- uh, There's very, very likely that I won't actually read any of those. Well, I already started reading the Gita. It's... It, I really think books of that age, that antiquity, should be kind of taught, not read. And, I mean, maybe people that are smarter than me would be able to figure it out, but... Some of it is just... Okay, I put it this way. I kind of I understand the narrative behind it, and I understand the more uh, apparent lessons. Uh, like, take the New Testament for existence, for uh, example. Teach a man to fish, or give a man a fish he eats for a day, teach a man to fish he eats for a lifetime. I get it. All right, this makes sense to me. Let's, you know, hey... Uh, ...meet somebody that's in pain on a path, you help them out. Good Samaritan. Okay. But in the books I'm not familiar with... ...or even that one, where they've got these kind of sentences where... um, ...you know, Lord Krishna was talking to Panja... ...and he said that, oh, of course, because you kissed my shoulder blade... ...I will join you in battle without arms. And then the other guy's like, oh, I'll get all your armies like, alright, oh, that's weird so, and then I was just like, yeah, alright well that text is obviously about devotion and that the power of faith will overcome any army, well I mean they didn't say that cheesy, but you know, whatever I usually just read that section, like, I, just my brain's not trained for aphorism, I guess, so I just read that it's like, oh yeah, so uh, Kristen's gonna be fighting on this guy's side so, and again, I need a guru One of my friends offered to be my guru, but I think she was drunk, because her offer didn't make any sense. I would like to take this opportunity to uh, thank... Who did I thank last time? I got another, um... Uh, Hold on a second while I make clicking noises. I got another donation. uh, Of one dollar. But, as I said... In previous ones, that's what I'm looking for. Because if everybody that listens to this donates a dollar, uh, I would have enough to pay for server space. Oh, that's what. It, oh, hey Vance, what did you tell you? Um, oh, anyway, Sean, thank you. Uh, not Sean that I know, some random Sean. Well, actually, I think I do know this guy. I think he's a f- friend of a friend, kind of thing. This is episode 12, uh, and I think part of me, as I make more clicking noises. That This is the episode that marks the... Yeah, alright, let's see. Sorry, while I click, I didn't plan on doing this, but I I meant to do it. Yeah. I'm using... How much? Alright, alright. So this episode will be the last free one. And I don't mean you're going to have to pay for new content. That would be stupid. What I mean by that is... When this episode uploads... Or I'm going to have to do it beforehand... Episode 1 of the podcast will disappear. Because I don't have enough uh, storage space... On the website to keep all of them up. I'm sorry for that. I truly am. But it's the way it goes. So that's why I bring this up during the talk about donation. Uh, If you donate some money... There's a very good chance that I'll be able to purchase storage space, and then I won't. Ha- I can put back up the episode one, and then when the next episode comes out, episode two will will go away. So, two of things can happen here. Uh, if you would like to donate, no, oh, no, fuck that. I can't do that. I was gonna say I could give you like a special episode or something. Uh, you know, if you don't here, ha- I'll do this. How about if you donate more than uh, ten bucks. Now, fuck that, that's a lot of money. Yeah, do this. All right. If you don't have more than five bucks, I'll record you a song. And it'll be just me singing stupidly or something. I'll record you something really stupid and embarrassing so you can hold it over my head if this thing ever catches on. And then if you give me more than. What did I just say? Ten? And then if you give me more than ten bucks, I'll, I'll send you something better than that thing I just referenced. I don't know, whatever. Just give me a dollar. But the point is, uh, episode one, gone. See you, daddy If you're hearing these words, episode one is not available for download anywhere on the internet. So, uh, watch it burn. As we update you on the NBA Finals here, uh, the Miami Heat have come storming from behind to go up 99 to 97, with four minutes left in the fourth. Uh, looks like we've got a bit of a defensive breakdown happening in this match. I, uh, wish I hadn't said something like that defensive breakdown and you don't even call it a match do you yeah it's a game basketball match basketball game football match football game hockey game hockey what the fuck is a match chess match chess game football match that second football was what was European of course or was the first one European (laughs) I'm not going to tell you. Oh, Hey, the donate thing. Sorry. I'm going to cope circle around one more time. I'm not a professional at this is go to, um, Alex two X's dot And you will find on the page there, a donate link, or you can go to Alex with two X's dot And that'll forward you to my blog, which is actually the number one angry anthropoid at g- at gmail.com. That's my, uh, email that you can donate to, but it's also the number one angryanthropoid.blogspot.com uh, which you'll find random things I've written, uh, random pictures I've drawn, uh, random things I've thought, and links I find interesting, etc, uh, etc. Et uh, if you go there, you can click the donate button, or just use my, uh, my thing oneangryanthropoid at gmail.com on PayPal, and you can donate. Also, if you don't... Um, want to do that, you can, you know, if you know me in person, you can always just, like, I don't know, buy me a drink or something, but, uh, that doesn't help, I just, I'm really poor, so, it'd be cool if you buy me a drink. I don't even, honestly, I don't even want to be here recording this fucking podcast right now, I want to be at the bar, throwing back some brewskis, watching some b-ball, uh, I might do that after this. I have, I have kind of a system now that I reward myself if I do creative endeavors, by going to the bar and getting a drink and maybe doing some gambling on the uh, the old keto sheet Uh, I am fucking Johnny Young I don't really have time to do podcast I mean I do have time but I never had the energy but I'm trying to force myself into uh, doing more creative stuff I've talked about this before Uh, what else can I tell you guys about oh um hold on I'm going to look how long I've been talking Yeah, I got plenty of time. This this, this is probably going to be a short one, but uh, if you guys, I don't, I I feel like I've been talking smoother, but I don't know if I've been particularly funny. But I don't know if I'm supposed to be funny. This is like, it's a weird thing about this podcast having no like real direction or 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 form. Is that uh, I try to be humorous. I mean, like a couple of the people that like this thing have have told me they find it really funny, etc. And that's... You know, that's awesome. But... Does that mean... Okay, what I'm forming here... I know I'm kind of struggling forwards. It's... Should I pander to my perceived audience? Like, should I try to focus on being funny? Or tell you interesting... or things I find interesting? Read the things I find interesting? Yeah, I'll just deal with what I've been doing. Who gives a shit? I don't... The fucking... I get... I, 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 I don't know. will be 30 people listening to each episode. So who gives a shit? But anyway, it's uh, Les Paul's birthday. So Google... You hear that? That's, uh, that's, uh, some Google guitar there. Now, I have this thing in my head that I met Les Paul a few times when I was growing up. And it could be completely wrong, because I get him confused with other people. I get everybody confused. But uh, I grew up in Oakland, New Jersey. So if anybody knows if Les Paul uh, was from around there or lived there in his later years, you should tell me, because I I swear I met him. But I could be getting him confused with some other old guitar guy. Because, you know, in that really young person head, it's very possible to get those two things confused. So on the... I guess I'm... Uh, I don't know. I, but I want to tell somebody about this. Oh, Jason Cage just downs a three-pointer. Fucking Maverick's up five again. Jesus Christ. Um... I decided to go off of brain medication. Now, I know I've referenced it on here before, but in a really quick story, I went through a bit of a dark patch. The last... Uh... nine years-ish, uh, <laughs> but not not really bad, you know, it's just uh, kind of a, uh, you know, it's disappointing life kind of thing, and a little too smart to just ignore it, and uh, that was all arrogant, but whatever. So, I tried meditation, I tried doing uh, vast amounts of Psychedelics and brain-altering things to try to kick my brain back into kind of a functional, happy state to make acceptance of things. But unfortunately, I was a bit of an asshole, and I, you know, really had to kind of pay some penance. I did a I did a year of celibacy, for celibacy. Went completely sober for a while. Well, not completely sober. I shouldn't say that, but I, you know, pretty much I, I quit doing drugs. I still pretty much quit doing drugs, other than occasional marijuana. And then, uh, yeah, so all that came to a head of, uh, uber depression last summer. And I decided, you know what, I'm gonna go, uh, I'm gonna go try to get me some of that therapy. So I did that, and then I ended up getting some brain pills, and I went on Zoloft. And that was... October, I'm gonna say. So I was on Zoloft from October until right now, it's, um, Juneing Junish July, May... June, June, it's June, uh, and I, and I just decided, I don't know, it, it started to feel, I should say when I first started taking him it was like a fucking revelation, it was a, it was a kiss from a deity, a delightful little tap on my head saying, oh Alex, it'll be okay, everything's perfect, and I was really, really recommended it to everybody, but after months of it, it started to kind of lose, lose its, uh, efficacy there, and... Instead of upping a dose yet again I mean, not even like I was taking that many, but instead of upping a dose I decided that I'm just gonna fucking go cold turkey because fuck it. I just don't I don't want to have to go every month to renew pills To live a life. It just seems stupid So I am now uh, living free of uh, pills. It's been two days uh, uh, without those, I'm drinking a beer, so obviously I'm not sober. Uh, not thankfully sober, I guess. I like beer. I like uh, I like cocktails. It's fun. Loosens the old brain up. I read this fact years ago that uh, the more intelligent you are, the more prone you are to alcoholism, which it always kind of makes sense, you know, in that kind of writer artist way in which we all try to drink ourselves to death. I mean, I've never tried to drink myself to death, but I've certainly drank you know, a lot to yeah, I don't know, numb my head or whatever. So, yeah, I'm in detox right now. And I guess starting this weekend, I bought a bottle of 5-HTP, a neurotransmitter support. And uh, the idea is that it's a... I guess it's natural. I hope it's natural. I don't even know. Let's see. It even, uh, comes from an African plant. Yeah, so that comes to natural. Uh, it's supposed to increase your serotonin. Uh, and you can also do in combination with now valerian root, Relora, and pantothenic acid. Now, pantothenic acid, weird enough, I think I've actually read that word on this podcast before. Does anybody know why I did that? Oh, that's really creepy. Pen- pantothenic acid? I swear I've said that into a microphone before. Weird. Anyway, yeah, once I, once I clear my system out of that, uh, I'm gonna start taking these. And I'm also gonna quit therapy. I think i I think. whatever, dude. I've done enough. I, I think I've really. it's helped. So. Panthothenic acid. I can't remember why I said that, but I'm kidding. I mean, also. It's amazing that I think reading bottles is an interesting thing. Can't possibly be. Uh, I was just... You know, I just had a thought to tell you guys about something. Oh, yeah. Uh, so... There's this... There's a song called... Uh, I'm a dickhead, I think. Yeah. and It's, it's basically a singing a song about being a hipster and being an asshole. It's, uh, but at one point, they do this, like, kind of stereotypical dumb female voice and go... Oh, it's like that thing that's happening in the Middle East or, like, Africa or something. And then they had, like, a male voice being stupid and a different female voice saying something else stupid. So I'm going to do this on the podcast with you just to prove how dumb I am. I don't know where the Middle East is because I thought... let me do it this way. Egypt. I thought was part of the Middle East. But I thought Egypt was, was in Africa. I mean, I hope you guys aren't, like, really thinking me stupid, but... Isn't Egypt at the top of Africa? Is is that not where it is? So where does the Middle East stop being Africa? So I'm gonna look that up. Is uh, let's see, uh, what makes up the Middle East? Oh, not the middle ear. I don't give a fuck about that. That's the uh, that's the anvil and the hammer and the uh, the that other thing. Let's see. What makes up the Middle East map? Let's see. I wish my computer would come out quicker. Let's see. Here we go. Oh, okay. See, that's the problem. Alright, so you can't count Egypt and Libya as the Middle East. Huh. And that actually counts as Asia? Weird. Now that's kind of actually all right so I'm not as stupid as I thought I was. It's just like this red Sea here the Gulf of Aden I knew where that was but this Red Sea and the Mediterranean I thought there's more land where the Red Sea is is the problem. so I thought I thought Egypt shared a much larger border and the Sudan shared a bit of a border with with uh, Asia or with the Middle East. See, with the Persian Gulf and the Caspian Sea, if you draw a line between them, like, through Iran, I thought all that stuff was still cut out technically Africa. Maybe not Turkey. Which is weird, because I thought Turkey was part of Asia, and this it, it, part of Europe. Huh. This is weird. Um, but anyway, alright, so that wasn't as stupid as I thought it was. But uh, here's something i proved myself stupid on, too. So Everybody in the world knows how to do a Kermit impression. So mine would be, and I'm not saying I'm good at it. God, that's such a terrible, but th- this is going somewhere. This is, One is proving that I can't do impressions, and two is go somewhere else. So mine would be, uh, like, hi oh frog here. I mean, everybody can kind of do that. Like, I, that sounds terrible, but you know what I'm saying is everybody can just do that nasal thing. But what I've been doing and hearing since I've been a child, and I'm 30 years old now. I'm, I'm probably close to 31, but I don't really want to admit that is I say Kermit D, like Damien, Dick, do-over, D, Frog. I always thought it was Kermit D. Frog. Like, it's a cute little D stands for Kermit the Frog, and then when people would talk about him, they'd say Kermit the Frog, but, like, his real name is, like, Kermit Dwight Frog. So, looking at one of my friend's Facebook messages today, where she was quoting Kermit, D- Kermit the Frog, it's Kermit T. Frog. T. As in tea as in in China T Travis T It's it, I'm I'm in shock. I had no idea. But anyway, um Wow uh, that's that's just a weird thing to realize at thirty years old. Oh alright, so it looks like Dallas came back, they're up by seven with twenty point nine remaining. No shit. Alright, well, I jinxed them. I jinxed the heat, saying that I want them to win. Whoops! Yeah, so that's what I had to talk to you guys about. Hold on a second. Oh, it's still young yet. I don't know, do do I want to do a short one? I mean, I said I was going to do a short one. Hold on. travel. So I got a little distracted last night and uh, I'll turn down the background noise here because it's I'm watching the uh, Stanley Cup Finals Game 5. I got distracted last night. I went out to grab a drink and think about what I could talk about for the rest of the podcast and it turns out I kind of fucked up and had two drinks because I ran into my buddy Chris and I came home and I started watching the show Primeval where it's, uh, there's rips in Space and Time and dinosaurs show up in London. Yeah, it's about as good as it sounds, but I like it. And then I fell asleep, so <clears throat> it's 5.30 the next day uh, in the p.m. I just got back from work, and I figured I owed it to you guys to wrap up what I was talking about. I don't remember what I was talking about, but I did ask Chris what I should talk about in the rest of the podcast, and he said I should talk about synchronicity, which I'm not going to talk about. And then he said I should, uh, I think we ended up talking about ghosts. So I'm going to tell you my ghost story from when I was a kid. Uh, The house I grew up in was what I would loosely describe as haunted. Now, it's not haunted in the conventional spectral sense it's actually not even that old of a house, so it probably isn't haunted, haunted. But anyway, I digress. The earliest one I can remember was I was hanging out in my basement. And most of the, the activity was focused on the basement. So the first time I can remember it was I was sitting in the basement watching TV. That was kind of a catch-all room. There's a TV and stuff down there. Uh, that's where my playroom was. We had a, we had a bar and a what are those things called, the bumper pool table? Is, I mean, it was a man cave. I mean, I was like eight. I don't remember how old I was. I'm trying to picture. Anyway, yeah, I must have been like eight. I'll make them twelve. It probably, no, I was probably more like five. Anyway, I was hanging out in the basement, and I saw from the corner of my eye my older brother's friend, Matt, run from the bar area into the playroom. And I thought nothing of it. Because, uh, I don't know, I would think anything of it, because Matt was there earlier in the day. So I looked over and, you know, I just kind of ignored it, thinking they were down there in the playroom. Then I walked back upstairs and no one had gone behind me. And I was talking to my brother, I'm like, hey, why is Matt downstairs? Turns out Matt was not downstairs. I don't know, it was weird. So I was like, uh, you know, I don't know. It was just one of those things that kind of stuck in my head of like, you know, did I see something? So that's the first one then over the course of years, I started developing a kind of sense of a presence down there, especially at certain times of night. And there was three spots I could kind of feel it. Know, three-ish. One was for sure, was this kind of fake support post at the bottom of the steps. Right next to it, I always felt this kind of spot. I don't know, a cold spot? Not, it wasn't cold, but this vortex. I always felt like it was underground there. Then over... Um, uh, next to where the TV and stuff was, there's a door that leads to the laundry room. And right as you enter the laundry room, there, it always felt creepy in there. Uh, I don't know what it was, but there was something there. And then, then the third one was kind of back by the bar, but I think that was just more a, a lighting thing. Those other two were the stronger ones. So the first... Well, the first paranormal thing. The second paranormal thing was being this guy, Jesse Heath. He's a... Uh, this Oklahoma kid who came to our school for a couple of years and we became fast friends and we were in my basement playing with a Ouija board which is always a great idea and one of the Ouija board things said we asked it, uh, is there a presence there and it said yes and we asked if it was evil and it said yes so we summarily shit ourselves and closed the Ouija board up and never used it again I mean, I, I used it some then, but <clears throat> never in the basement never to talk to those guys so then, let's see, the next one was my girlfriend Jen, uh, this girl, Jen, uh, her last name starts with a D. I don't, I don't want to give it away. I shouldn't have said Jesse Heath, but I haven't seen him since then, so if he finds out I'm talking about him, I'd like, oh, love to see him again. was a good guy. But, uh, so Jen really, she was, she was a sensitive to the spiritual kind of stuff as well. Jen noticed something. She didn't like going down, there. she actually had, like, a violent reaction. Like, she would sneeze, her eyes would water... Well, that sounds like ouchies. but I be like violet? She would actually have uh, anxiety. I mean, it was bad. She didn't like it down there, especially at night. So we couldn't hang out down there when Jen was around. Which leads to this girl, Crystal, who is a known psychic. Not a known psychic, she claims to be a psychic. And she did magical practice. I mean, she was the one who actually probably started me on the first time I ever started doing magics, was through her. And she definitely felt it. And she said it was a female presence. Which I just thought it was kind of female. So uh, yeah, that's the background story. So fast forward, we're sitting at Thanksgiving dinner. Now, I I had not spoken to the- I have two older brothers, and uh, two parents. Now, I would never spoken to any of them about this stuff, because, you know, why the hell would you? We're sitting at Thanksgiving dinner, and I make some offhand comment- well, this is the way I remember it. I don't remember who made the offhand comment and who responded, but but the dialogue went like this. I just don't remember which way it went. Somebody made an offhand comment about how uh, the evil in the basement, or how evil the basement is. And then, I think, the way I remember it is my brother Brad goes, Oh, you, you felt that too? And then my brother Craig immediately chimes in and goes, Oh, yeah, yeah, we all know about that. And we ended up just having this agreement. We knew where the spots were. We were in agreement of how creepy and evil that basement was. And then kind of chided my father about why he would like hang out there constantly. And... I could have a theory that maybe... I shouldn't talk poorly about my dad, but he's, he's, um, uh... He's a bit of a... a boozer, let's, let's put it that way. A wino. So he hung out down there a lot. I wonder if... his energy imprinted down there? Or the energy down there imprinted on him? I mean... I'm not even sure if I believe in ghosts, to tell the truth. I'm not sure I believe in psychics. But the basement was weird. And, uh, see, I was talking about that last night. The only other uh, paranormal thing in that house was... I was chased up my steps once by something to the to the upper floor where my room later was. You know, my... The house got an expansion when I was seven or eight. So, I chased up the stairs and chased me in my room and I was terrified by it. And another time, I'd, uh, I was walking back in my room and uh, some shelving Knocked itself over and it's another one of those weird You know you get that feeling That there's something you know with you, so that was super creepy, but that's my paranormal experiences in my house I wonder what it is another oh, you know what I can tell you about Alright, so now I'm on the paranormal subject The the rest of this podcast is gonna be about the paranormal so if you don't want to hear about it ignore me I'm gonna tell you about Jen's uncle it may have been Jen's grandfather. I wish I still had the papers. So Jen was my first like real serious girlfriend. Uh, we, you know, lost virginity to each other kind of girlfriend. And we did this thing... Uh, I guess it's a form of automatic writing, but you write with your left hands. Like, you grasp left hands and put a pen between them. Like, you'd wrap your fingers, kind of a... cup your fingers... Around each other, and then hold the pen in between them. So there's no real control, and you loosen up, and then you kind of try to get yourself into a translate state and ask whoever's around to talk to us. And it did. And a spirit came through claiming to be Jen's grandfather. Um, I'm not going to give you details about Jen over the podcast because, I mean, that's, you know, invasion of privacy, but there was a. Not in a negative way, but she, her, her familial background is a bit complex. So this thing came across claiming to be her grandfather. Uh, her grandfather had died in a unique way. There were suspicions around it. So this thing came through and talked to us. And they talked to us on, I guess, three or four occasions. And I started to get like a weird vibe from it after a while. And then after Jen and I broke up, I tried communicating again. Now, I don't remember, you know, the order of this is weird, because this is, I mean, this is 15 years ago at this point, but I don't remember, well, either way, it, during one of the communication sessions, it came to light that this actually wasn't her grandfather. This was a spirit that was lonely imposing posing as her grandfather. In fact, I think that girl crystal and saw the spirit in my basement or felt it, was the one who kind of hefted me to it. So in another automatic rating session with somebody else, I can't remember who it was, it may have been Megan. Uh that same spirit came through and said that he wants to talk to Jen again. I hadn't spoken to her a while, the breakup wasn't exactly pleasant, so I called her and left a message on her answer machine saying, you know, that thing claiming to be your grandfather, uh you know, got in touch with me and you know, he wants you to talk to it. It was weird. I don't know if I believe that. I mean, all everything I just said was true, but I don't know what that was. I don't know if, if it's your subconscious expresses itself, you know, when you're in a relaxed state, and because you're thinking of writing, some kind of, I don't know, I guess, internal creativity spouts its way through. But it's weird that it's agreed upon between two people in such a complex manner that your hand motions can be... Precise enough to form words. It's in, it, that's that's where it gets interesting. But anyway, those are that's that's the paranormal stuff in my house. I never got a there's no resolution to to uh, to Jen's grandfather. Uh, I had gotten back in touch with her during the MySpace days. In fact, I think we ended up having coffee during college one time. Come on down to the standard, fourteen Northeast Twenty Second. 14 Northeast, 22nd. Northeast Portland. Conveniently, in America. Perfect. Alright, guys. So that was episode uh, 12. I was going to play 2 tonight, but it turns out I moved to the hour format a lot earlier than I remembered. Um. So yeah, that was the one that you got. Apparently I was talking about sports in the beginning. I don't know. I only listened to that first little bit. And I said, you know what? This is as good as anything I'm going to put out there. And hopefully it is something that you guys enjoyed and will bask in its love and glory forever and ever. Amen. I don't know if I did it in that episode, but I will do it now. In the old school Alex episodes, I used to do a little bit of a fake tower reading at the end of the show. Recently I've been talking about Tower more often on Twitter because I've been getting back to my kind of occult roots that I was into when I was a kid. And I just want to connect back to that stuff. So, uh, you know, as you know, I went to the past life regression thing. I want to do, I'm going to try to do a Reiki uh, energy healing thing this week. Uh, Maybe next week I will definitely get back to you guys on that when uh, when it is finished and see how we did. (laughs) Um, I'm laughing because I am going to be mocked horribly uh, for, for this, uh, my idiot, um, energy healing, uh, circumstances that are happening, um, yeah, so look forward to making fun of me for that. Okay, so I'm going to do a quick tower reading, but I'm going to read one more thing from my old book, The Void Seekers, because, again, old school, uh, episodes, uh, involve me reading stuff, and let's just try to find one, uh, do do. Old-school episodes actually involve me doing the doo do doo noise while looking through this stupid thing. Uh, here we go. Uh, no, that's not the one I want. I want one. There's, there's one uh, that I liked very much in here. I should probably say I liked all of them, but I am a person that does not uh, have self-confidence, and I think I am a useless piece of shit for the most part. And um, that is how I kind of keep noises going while I'm looking for something is that I can kind of go on autopilot while making fun of myself. And that is what that was. So yeah, no, I'm just trying to find a little thing here. Actually, I'm just going to stop. And, oh, here's one. So this is a poem I wrote called Offerings. And yeah, I'm going to read it for you guys because, you know what? I'm not sensitive of a guy. Ladies. Yeah, so this is Offerings. We wrote those words on slivers of silver, leaving them as offering to the rain. Watching stacks of ourselves dispersed by magnetic storms which leave no trace, no hint of ash, we wrote those words with the patience of saints, inscribed like care, and due attention paid to the void. Waiting at a distance for the ironized smell of rain, which will grant us leave to walk from that place into the permanence of unknowing. Yeah, so that was offerings. Look at me being all sensitive. But you guys didn't know that about me. I am one sensitive son of a bitch. I have emotions up the old butthole. And that is how I get out of uh, admitting to the fact that I try to keep my heart chakra open and I try to uh, be as uh, empathetic as possible to other people. And I make dumb jokes afterwards to hide that fact because I am friends with people on Twitter which say things like, uh, you know, uh, you're acting like a girl or other kind of misogynistic nonsense. And yes, that is that. Look at me doing things, trying to evolve, trying to be a person here, people. So yeah, speaking of evolution, let's uh, practice some medieval fortune-telling. So, uh, because I am a person who constantly bitches about uh, the need and the want and the desire to find myself a uh, person to hang out with, a, a, a life mate, a partner, a girlfriend, a uh, a maybe like one of those... Uh, like a, like a sugar glider, uh, or uh, like, you know, I can be one of those people that hangs out with a ferret, but I was really kind of hoping for the girlfriend thing, because uh, the other ones, um, they don't talk really all that much, and if they did, I think it'd be signs of, of, of growing psychosis within me. So yes, uh, medieval fortune-telling. I'm going to do a quick uh, six-card layout, which I have uh, worked on for a while, not worked on for a while, but this is kind of a, a quick kind of BS way to quickly do a reading, kind of answer a question. So, oh, my dearest cards uh, of which I have uh, been in possession of for, for many years now, I would very much like you to tell me, in your best of words, what I can do, or if there is a lady in my future. So let's find out here, guys. First card up is the Knight of Wands, inversed. Second card up, the Hierophant, inversed. Third card up, the Six of Swords. So, we have at the center of the reading, which is in this variant, the uh, the kind of the operant principles behind the question, is that we have one of the, uh, what they have, the Higher Arcana of tower of, uh, Tarot. So that's the Hierophant. So let's see what the old uh, book here says about the Hierophant for you guys. Because it is uh, one of the Higher Order Tarots, the Higher Arcana, so it means it's kind of like a, uh, uh the things that are out of your control, kind of uh if you're if you're a little bit more on the spiritually side, or, I mean I'm ready to but uh that you would say like these are like kind of the gods or the forces of nature behind what's going on. So uh the Hierophant says it is divine wisdom, inspiration, stubborn strength, toil, endurance, persistence, teaching, help from survivors, patience, organization, peace, goodness of heart, occult force voluntarily invoked. Look at that. And to his left, which is generally one of the two things that are, uh, the kind of the outcome of the question, um, one of the possible ways that it moves out is the Knight of Wands. And I take back that, it being upside down, because I forgot I actually organized this deck recently, so I should have shuffled more. So, um unfortunately, I cannot do the upside-downness, which sometimes you can say that if the card shows itself as being upside-down, uh, the meaning can be inversed. But uh, not a lot of people worry worried that way. I don't actually take it to mean that much. I kind of, you know, who gives a shit? But anyway, the point is, uh, the Knight of Wands is uh, this represents the fiery part of fire. A man with the qualities of activity, generosity, impetua- impetuosity, pride and swiftness, ill-defined, an evil-minded, cruel, bigoted, and brutal man. Well, that's confusing. We're gonna to have to well I'll explain that in a second. And then we've got the um six of swords, uh which is uh what is the six of swords is um I don't remember. Uh six of swords is science. Ah. Wonderful. The six of swords is telling us that intelligence that has realized its goal, labor, work, success after anxiety, passage from difficulty, journey by uh water able to find his selfishness, concede, intellectual pride. Okay, so now what we do is we flip a card to cross these ones and uh, to get deeper meaning. So the deeper meaning of the Hierophant shows itself as being the Five of Swords. Swords coming up again. Is the Five of Swords, which tells us that's defeat. That's loss, malice, spite, weakness, slander, failure, anxiety, poverty, dishonor, trouble, grieving after pain, ties, uh, separate our friends, a busybody, cruel yet cowardly, evil speaking. Um, I'm not sure what that means. I mean, I know what that means, but why would that be crossed with the Hierophant? That's weird. Um, Lost, malice, spite, weakness, slander, failure, anxiety, poverty, dishonor, trouble, grieving after pain, ties, separator of friends, busybody, create a cowardly evil, speaking... I'm not really sure what that means. Um, yeah. Okay, let's uh, try the Crossing of the Knight of Wands. I actually think that card was actually for the Knight of Wands. Uh, let's see we got the seven of swords futility. Oh, this is a bad fucking reading. Uh, uh unstable effort, vacillation, uh vain striving against opposition too powerful, partial success by giving up on the brink of winning through lack of energy, fascination which is probably tied to buying land, through untrustworthy, untrustworthy person. And then the uh this gets crossed with the um ace of swords. Wow, another sword. This is fucking powerful. Is the root of the powers of air invoked force as contrasted with natural force? That compares ace of wands represents great power for good or evil, but invoked conquest, whirling forces, activity, strength or trouble uh, as affirmation of justice of how divine authority may become sword of wrath, punishment and affliction. So it sounds like let's see we've got see it sounds like that ace of see weird that the two so what I was saying is the left and the right are um, kind of the not necessarily the futures, but the things that are kind of likely. So it sounds like uh, with the Hierophant talking about, you know, that being invoked work, invoked uh, kind of magics or, or occult power, uh, which is the same as the Ace of Swords, and that comes from the science side of it. So it sounds like what we're describing right now with this reading is a kind of a fight between the ease of falling into becoming becoming like a, uh, a vainglorious, shitty, egotistical asshole kind of type uh, while trying to follow like some kind of path, you know, the, the hero font uh, and then the other side being like the, the positive outcome of that is the um, success through works and that is uh, the less, I don't know if I say less likely, but I think that is the unrushed path, so it seems like this is trying to tell me the uh, uh, trying to rush into any works of this uh, magnitude or, or uh, try to, uh, pressing things forward even faster uh, is not a great idea and, um, yeah, so that is that. That is yours and my tarot reading for the day. Uh, that whole, oh, yeah, all right, so I don't want to force the issue. That's what they're telling me. And, yeah, if you ever get bored, look at the, um, the Thoth tarot deck, um, uh, the Order of Templi uh, Golden Dawn deck. Uh, the Hierophant, font, if you look at it, on the top right, there's a mask, and he kind of looks like Barack Obama. And just you know, just something I noticed that was fun. So yeah, that's that. There is your tarot card reading for this week and probably for the last one ever. (laughs) No one listened to this part. Fuck all, y'all. So, uh, I've been Alex. Please go to alexcast.com. Alex is always spelled with two X's. If you go there, you can click on books uh, or go to alexcast.com slash books, and that is uh, where you'll find the links to the books. Or everything else on there is good things. You know, use the Amazon link before you shop on Amazon. That uh, helps me uh, have money enough to continue the show. Uh, there's an Audible link. There's all also, it's a thing you've heard on every other uh, podcast ever. Just, uh, click things and, uh, if there's an offer there, utilize it because that helps me. It helps you. And there is a PayPal donate link, which no one has used for quite some time. I'm not saying you should use that, but if you are a person of wealth and, uh, you know, um, affluence, um, it would be, it would be good if you gave me some of that because I can't afford good things or things at all. I have my tarots who tell me that I am going to turn into a horrible shithead or practice some science. Fuck if I know? So, yeah, that's it. This has been the Alex cast. I have been Alex. You have been somebody that is listening to me talking to a microphone. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, I think that's all I have to get uh, covered. Uh, remember to go to facebook.com slash Alexcast uh, or facebook.com slash the standard PDX. Those are two good things to go to. Yeah, so. Um, I bring to you, in, in closing, the phrase from the Mayan, In Lakash which means I am another you. I am another yourself. In Lakash In Lakash I am another you. Namaste.